Let's read Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. Guys, get them the candy bars right away for me. And if anybody that's a guest, if you're here for the first time, or it's been a long time since you've been to LFC, you get a candy bar also. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. I'm going to begin reading from the NIV you follow in whatever translation that you have is your favorite, okay? Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges." But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And Father, we've read your word, and I am praying that your word will be spirit and will be life to us. And I pray that you will teach us your word. I pray that you will instruct us with your word. I pray that your word will become a raging fire within our spirit, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The beginning of chapter 12, Jesus is again in the regions of the Galilee and he's teaching. And he's going to the cities that the disciples had been raised in. And as he's on his way there teaching them, he has a couple of encounters with the religious leaders. The religious leaders do not like him. They do not like his style of ministry. They do not like his philosophy of ministry. And as they're on their way, they violate a couple of the religious laws of the Jewish religion. And Jesus is called into account on it. And Jesus tells them that he is Lord of both the temple and the Sabbath. Now, dear ones, the moment he lets them know that he is the Lord of the temple and of the Sabbath, he's making it very clear to them, I am God. And they become furious with him. The religious leaders become furious with him. Well, then on this occasion that we just read, They bring to Jesus a man that is demon-possessed. And the demons that are in him make him both mute and what? 
He can't hear, he can't speak, right? So he's deaf and he's mute. Jesus casts out the demons and now he can hear and he can speak. And it is so startling to the people, they begin asking, is he the son of David? Is he Messiah? And so Jesus has already let the religious leaders know, look, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of the temple. And now here the people are saying, you know, is he, is he Messiah? I mean, who else can do this? He must be Messiah. And they just become even more enraged. And they say to the people, oh, no, 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 no. You got to understand something. He is casting out demons by Lucifer. He is casting out demons by Satan. And Jesus goes, now, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because if Satan is casting out demons, he's, he's making his own kingdom weak. I mean, if Satan's going to do anything, he's going to send in more demons, not cast the ones that are there out. That doesn't make any sense, right? And so he goes, no, 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 no. That just doesn't even make sense. But on the other hand, if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do you see that in there? Now, that connects directly with what Jesus Christ had already taught the original 12 apostles. If you go back to Matthew chapter 10 and look at verses 5, 6, and 7, Jesus commanded the original 12 to go and to preach the kingdom of God has come, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Amen? That's what he told the original 12 apostles. But when he spoke to the 70 new apostles in Luke chapter 10, he said something very similar to them. He said, preach the kingdom of God has come to you, heal the sick. Remember? And then when he spoke to the whole church, the coming church, in, Ma in Mark chapter 16. Would you turn there with me, please? Go to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Because in Matthew 10, he's speaking to the original 12. In Luke 10, he is speaking to the new 70. So now there are 82 apostles, right? But then... In the, in the Gospel of Mark, the very last chapter, chapter 16, this is after Jesus' resurrection. This is just before he's going to be taken off the Mount of Olives back to heaven. Jesus instructs the church. Mark 16, beginning at verse 15. If you're there, holler amen. amen. Okay, here we go. And go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures, to all creation. Amen? Amen? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In my name 
He shall cast out devils. He shall speak with new tongues. He shall take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. He shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen? Amen. That's the command of the church. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Apostles, go preach the kingdom and show the kingdom's come by casting out devils and healing the sick. Church, show the world that the kingdom of God has come by, in my name, casting out devils, healing the sick. Come on, amen? This is how the world's going to know the kingdom of God has come. It is because in the name of Jesus Christ, the devils are being displaced and the kingdom of God is being brought in. Now, the question, how can the church do this in a very real, practical way on a day-to-day basis? How can you, in a very real way, in your family, in your marriage, with your children, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in our city, how can we live this out in a very real way on a day-to-day basis? Amen? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Let's look at that. Let's see how we can do that. Go to the next slide for me, would you please? The first thing Jesus said... He said, look at this with me, right, right up here. I'm wanting you to look at this very first line right here, okay? The kingdom of God has come to you, amen? But what do you got to do first? Right there. You got to bind the strong men, okay? We're not going to plunder the kingdom of darkness if we don't first bind the strong men, It starts there. We have to believe that we can, with the authority of Jesus' name, take whatever strong man of darkness is at operation and we can render him powerless. We can handcuff him so that we can plunder all of his goods. That's why you want to bind him. You want to bind him so that you can plunder his goods. Take it all. Don't leave him anything. But you know what we tend to do? We we tend to entertain little portions of darkness in our home, in our family, in our life, in our heart. And we entertain little portions of darkness there, and we go, well, that's not too much. I was doing a men's retreat for, oh, three or four dozen men one time, and uh, God had really put on my heart to talk about this very thing. Don't entertain the little things. And I thought, how can I illustrate this? Well, it, it happened, the retreat center they were using was an equestrian retreat. And so they had several horses there, and uh, I went to the horse's pen and I found what horses tend to leave behind. And so I filled enough glasses with juice for every guy in the retreat, and I put varying portions of what horses leave behind in each of those cups. Some of them were rather large pieces, some of them were minute, and I tried to serve them. 
They didn't want anything to do with that juice. Isn't that odd? They didn't want anything to do with it. I said, why not? They go, well, it's got gunk in it. Well, they didn't say gunk. They said the other word, you know. And I said, well, yeah, but this one right here, I mean, you can't even hardly see it. Come on, it's okay. They went, no. I go, look, this one right here, you can't even see it. I mean, it's totally dissolved, so it's okay. They didn't want anything to do with it. And I said, you won't have anything to do with this juice because it's got horse droppings in it that you can't even see, but you will let Satan bring that junk in your life and you won't get rid of it. Come on, which is worse? Oh, pastor, you just gone to meddling. But we do that, folks. We will take the enemies, you know what, and let it in our heart, let it in our mind, let it in our home, and we'll go, oh, well, you know what, oh, but this is a great movie. Oh, it's got a little bit of that, but that's okay, because it's okay, because it's such a great story. So endure a little bit of that demon crap, because the story is good. And what we don't realize is when we don't bind the strong man and get rid of all of his goods, we leave him just a little bit of authority and territory in our life. And you know what? He's not going to be content with just a little bit of territory in your life. He wants the whole banana. So what we got to do is we got to bind the strong man and plunder all of his goods. Come on, amen? amen? Come on, plunder it all. Get it all out. Amen. Because then we can plunder hell to populate heaven. But it's the same way, not only in our own heart and life, it's the same way in our kids, it's the same way in our relatives, it's the same way in our neighborhood. And so what you, we need to be doing is looking and going, what's the strong man? I mean, if, if your children are fighting night terrors, what's the strong man at work here? What's tormenting them? If, 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 you're, if your kiddos are fighting rebellion, if they're struggling with rebellion, you need to ask, what's the strong man? What's at work here? What's the strong man that's at work in their heart and life? If, if your family is constantly going from sickness to sickness to sickness to sickness, from disaster to disaster, I mean, if your life is constantly filled with drama, as a child of God, God doesn't want our life filled with drama. God wants our life filled with peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for their trust is in the Lord. Amen? Not drama to drama to drama to drama. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so if there's constant drama, you need to be asking, what's the strong man that's at work here? Not the straw man, the strong man. Some of us get fixated on the straw man. It's a little imaginary thing. And we don't really look at what's really the root of it. Come on. 
So who's the strong man at work here? Now, look at, look at this next, go to the next slide for me, because this is, this is what we've got to understand. In Matthew 16, right after this experience, just a few chapters over, Jesus begins teaching his church how you can bind the strong man. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You've got to understand something, there is no place in the kingdom of darkness that can withstand the church that understands who they are in Christ and the kingdom authority that they have. You can crush every stronghold of darkness. You do not have to put up with it. Come on. Man, if I could get the gospel preaching church in Hermiston, McNary, Umatilla, Irrigan, Boardman, Echo, Stanfield, if we could get every gospel preaching church, every gospel preaching church to understand their kingdom authority, and if they would rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, enough, we are not going to let the powers of darkness do this one more day. Enough. God, folks, there is no power of darkness we can't drive out. And we can bring the kingdom of Jesus Christ into this area. And would it be wonderful if Jesus Christ and righteousness was the one in authority from Boardman to Echo and from Stanfield to Irrigan? I mean, would this be a great place to live, folks? And it's a great place now. But see, we, we, somehow we don't believe that. Or maybe there are some areas of darkness we just don't want to drive out because we're still letting it tickle our heart a little bit. I'll move right on. There's some real scary looks right there. <laughs> we got to drive it out. And look what Jesus did. He gave us the authority to bind. I will not prohibit you. Is that what you wanted to say? Or are you saying, I prohibit you from operating one more day? I prohibit you from operating one more day. And then the power to loose. I release you. I release you. Now this is the authority you have. Let me show you how it works. Go to the next slide for me. Let's go to the book of James real quick. James chapter 5, 13, he, he asks a series of questions. Is any among you afflicted? I like the way the NIV says it. Is, is any among you troubled? Are you troubled? Are you troubled? Let him pray. Are you troubled? Are your children troubled? 
Is your life partner troubled? Is one of your coworkers troubled? Is there trouble going on in your neighborhood? Let them pray. Is any merry? Is any happy? Let them sing psalms. Let them sing worship songs. Is any sick among you? Are you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and pray for them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. If they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven them. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then these words, Elijah was a man just like you. You see, what, what James is wanting the church to know is you can do this. Well, yeah, but pastor, no, you can do this. Well, yeah, but you know, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not religious like you are. You can do this. Yeah, but pastor, I don't have the Holy Spirit like you have. Why not? If you don't have the Holy Spirit like I am, why not get it? Amen. Just get it. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, <laughs> pastor, you know, I'm just, I'm just a contractor. So? I'm just a teacher. I'm just a teacher. I have to get up in the morning and put my pants on one leg at a time just like you. I got to get up and go to the coffee maker and make my first cup of coffee before I'm much good just like you. Come on. Come on. What do you mean? I'm just. You can do this. You can do this. And it's really important that you grab that in your heart. Now go to the next slide. I want to show you how you do this. The first thing is, is you call it by name. You, you begin, God, show me who's the strong man at work in my son's life. Who's the strong man at work in my daughter's life? Who's the strong man in my marriage partner? God, who's the strong man that's trying to plunder our house right now? God, who is the strong man that's working in our neighborhood that we got this kind of junk going on in our neighborhood? Who's the strong man? Ask God to give you the name of the strong man. Who's the strong man? And then you call him by name. We'd been living on 62nd Street, just one house off the corner of 62nd and Reedway there in Portland for about a year and a half, maybe two years. When we first got there, the police were constantly chasing criminals through our yard, guns drawn, da-da-da-da, and I just took the authority of Jesus' name, and that nonsense stopped. Then the next thing I knew, this this really funky smelling, really ugly motorhome kept being parked on the corner of 62nd Reedway. And I'd walk by there and it would smell like rotten eggs. We know what's going on, right? They're cooking inside that stupid thing. And I thought, not on my watch. And, and the house on the corner, there, there was new people living in that and I was connecting them with the new little mobile 
machine that had come in. And I'm going, not on my, no way, not on my watch. And I begin walking and praying around there and declaring in the mighty name of Jesus, you go, not on my watch. And one day God gave me the name of the strong man, and I said, I got you now. And I bound it by the authority of Jesus' name and commanded it to leave. And with a matter of days, it was gone. They had moved out. That was gone. Never did come back. You don't have to permit it to go on. Well, what can you do? Right here, this is what you can do. Call him by name and then bind the strong man that's at work. Take the authority of Jesus' name and the power of his blood and say, by the authority of Jesus' name, strong man, call him by name and say, you will leave now. You will leave now. Now, what's the first thing he's going to do? Roll over and go, okay. He's going to challenge you. Do you really believe what you're doing? You really, I mean, I've had him snarl back at me. I won't go into the detail because it'll take too much time, but one time God had showed me the strong man that, that, was, that was at work, and I commanded it in the name of Jesus, and he snarled at me and said, I don't have to. I have a right here. And I said, oh, yeah. I just rose up and I said, the Lord Jesus Christ rebukes you and has already defeated you and you will go now. And he whimpered. I knew I had him. You don't have to put up with it. You don't have to. Come on, take the authority of Jesus' name. And then the people you're praying for, loose them to freedom. I loose, I loose my daughter from that, from that spirit of low self-worth. I loose her from that. I loose her to come in to healthy image of who she is in Christ. I loose my son from that spirit of intimidation. I loose him from that. I loose him to come to freedom in Christ. Come on, loose them to come. Where do you want them to come to? I want them to come to salvation. Loose them to salvation. I want them to come to healthy living. Loose them to healthy living. I want them loosed from drug addiction so they can live a healthy, strong life. Loose them to that. God, I loose them to be the woman you called them to be. I loose them to be the man you've called them to be. I loose them to come to that. You take the authority of Jesus' name. And here's the last one right here. Go to the next one for me. Start doing prophetic acts. I'll tell you one of the most powerful things you can do, go into their bedroom when they're, while they're at school and you lay hands on their pillow and even, even anoint the bed in places where they won't see, but you anoint the bed and you just begin taking the authority of Jesus' name. And you bind that strong man, and you just pray, God, while they're sleeping, Holy Spirit, you minister to them. You just draw them, Holy Spirit, you draw them. Do prophetic acts. Begin prayer walking your neighborhood. Begin walking your neighborhood and praying. Just set a boundary. Say, okay, I'm taking this boundary. I'm going from this corner. I'm going down to this corner. I'm going down to this corner. I'm going to this corner. And you just begin walking and praying and taking the authority of Jesus' name. 
And if you're really fighting strong men, let's, let's say your home is just really under attack and you're really fighting it, then here's what you do, brother. Listen, here's what you do. You go to the four corners of your property and you, at, the, at each corner, you receive communion and you put some of the bread and some of the juice in the ground and you take the authority. You go to the next corner and you go to the next corner and all four corners, you receive communion, you put a little bit of the bread, a little bit of the juice in the ground, then go to the middle of your property, dig a little hole, put some of the juice, some of the bread in the ground, you eat communion, and you say, Father, by the authority of Jesus' name, I raise the canopy of your glory over the property of our home. Powers of darkness, you are banished. Only the glory of God will abide here. Only the love of God, the joy, and the peace of Almighty God. My home will be a godly home where the righteousness of Almighty God rules and reigns. Hallelujah. Amen. Prophetic acts, they have great power. Sometime read through the book of Ezekiel, and I want to remind you, Ezekiel is in what we would know today as Iran, but he is continually prophesying to Jerusalem and to the mountains of Judea. He has that kind of power and authority. And folks, if Ezekiel had that, and we did not have the cross of Christ yet, there was no resurrection from the dead, the Holy Spirit was not given without measure. We have the power of the cross, the power of the blood. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How much more authority do we have than Ezekiel to pray prophetic prayers and to pray prophetic acts and watch God work? Come on, amen. Church, rise up in the kingdom authority. I'm closing. You've been wondering if this sermon's going to go on forever. I'm closing. In the late 1970s, God began teaching me this. There were no books about it. None of the authors that write about it were, were, were writing at that time. And God had been taking me over and over to Ezekiel 22, 30, and 31 and speaking to me. And this is what he was saying to me. I want this city. I want you to believe me for this city. We were, we were pastoring in Tumwater at the time, taking a really broken church that was just devastated. <clears throat> Little teeny tiny church, and we was watching God move. We were about to break through into a revival that was going to spawn just a whole, a whole other ministry. But... God was teaching me this, and one of the things he had me doing was going into this one neighborhood and praying. I felt so odd, because I thought, you know, if anybody knew what I was doing, they'd think I was crazy, because nobody was teaching this stuff. And I was going into this one neighborhood and praying, and there was one particular house he had me praying for. And I would, I would park in front of the house, and I would pray, and I would call them to salvation, I'd call the husband to salvation. I didn't know this family. I had no idea who lived in that house. I just was praying what I knew God was putting in my heart. Interesting thing happened one day when I, when I went to see a dentist. I, I, I had to have some dental work done. We didn't have a dentist. And I, said, I did some checking around, and, and some folks told me about this Christian dentist that was in town. And so I, I made an appointment, went to him, and while he was 
working on me, he began telling me a story. He says, well, what do you do? I told him I was a pastor. He says, oh, well, I, I, I go to church. And I said, well, tell me about your faith. And he told me how that their, their, their family was in trouble. Their marriage was about to completely split apart. And he was, he was drinking too much. And there was too much anger in the home. And so, you know what, we need, we need to start going to church. And so they, they picked this particular gospel preaching church. And they began going there and gave their heart to the Lord. And their life was changed. And now he was on the board of that church. And he's telling me this story. And I thought, well, that's really great. About two years later, I'm t- and, and in the meantime, over the next two years, he and I had done some things together in the community, and we'd bump into one, one another ever now and again. And then, through a series of things, I found out where he lived. That neighborhood, that house. And it was during that time when I was prophetically praying for his house that life changed and they received Christ as Lord and Savior. Fast forward about, about a, well, over a decade, fast forward. God's called us to Milwaukee, Oregon. We bought a house in southeast Portland at 62nd and Reedway, as I mentioned a moment ago. And God gave me these neighborhoods that he wanted me to prayer walk for him between our house and Milwaukee, where we were pastoring. And so I began prayer walking. About two years into that prayer walking, we had this family come and visit for the first time, and they gave their heart to the Lord. And, and eventually they would actually come on our, uh, and, and he would become one of our deacons. She'd become one of our deaconesses, Frank and Annette. And so after they gave their heart to the Lord, I was talking with them. And I said, so how did you begin coming here? And they go, you know what? We just knew we needed to start going to church. And for some reason, we were just drawn to this church. We didn't know anybody that attended here. We didn't know anybody. We'd never been to this church. But we just felt drawn to this church. I said, wow, that's really cool. Well, by the way, where's your home? Well, in that area where I was prayer walking, there were two houses as I would prayer walk by them every day that just stood out to me, and God gave me specific prayers for those houses. Frank and Annette lived in one of those houses. Had never met them, had never seen them, didn't know who they were when they started coming to church. But I tell you, God has used that family in some amazing ways down through the decades. That's been over two decades ago now. God worked in their life. Fast forward another decade to Spokane, Washington. God called Wanda and I to Spokane to plant a church in a particular area of that city. We began prayer walking in the area of the city. And I, I became acquainted with some folks in that in. in leadership in that city through a series of things that too long to go into. But there was an area on the north side of, that was in Felony Flats. It's called Felony Flats because a high percentage of the crime in the city takes place in that area. And there was one area that was especially bad. It was just horrible. And God moved on our heart to go into that area, begin prayer walking. There was one home that the yard had a fence around it that was four foot tall. And the garbage in that yard was piled 
to the height of the fence. Just bags of garbage. Paint was peeling off the house. And we, we knew that crime was going on in there. The police were called there regularly to that location. And so we went to that corner, and one morning we received communion at that corner, put communion in the ground, took the authority of Jesus' name and commanded the strong man bound. And as we're praying, God gave us the name of the strong man, walking dead. And we bound him, and we loosed that property from the powers of darkness to come to I lie not, within two weeks, the property sold. Within a month, the garbage was gone. Within another month, the house was completely painted and it was totally transformed. The only connection we had with any of that was prayer, was prayer. Kingdom authority. Church, we have the authority. Never give up and never give in. Never give in. Never give in. Never give in. But here's what I hear people say, well, they'll never change. Why not? Well, it just will never. Why not? Well, I just, why not? The only reason you're feeling that way is because you've given in. And so the enemy will take your passivity as opportunity to seize and to gain even greater control. But when the church says, we will never give up, we will never give in, not on my watch, not as long as there's breath in my body, will I let Satan have this territory. And when you stand between Almighty God and that territory, you win because the kingdom of God comes and God's kingdom always trumps the powers of darkness and crushes the gates of hell and you can plunder hell to populate heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand with me, will you please? Now, let me tell you what we have.